Coming up, boundary issues, toys that squish you, and sagging tissue. Also, the little town that Jesus bought, Ask the Goat, and strange random noises. All this and more on this delicious and nutritious episode of Kiss the Goat. I'm Cootie, and this is Kiss the the Goat. Goat. We've got a jam-packed show for you this time around, Acolytes. It is literally packed with jam. It is not literally packed with jam. How would we even do that? Well, you and I do the entire show while eating jam from a gigantic jar. We're not in the same room. Well, then we need two jars. It's rude to talk with your mouth full. <laughs> you never can't complain before. Uh, we are not discussing that right now. <laughs> it's called a Hummer. You like it. We're not. Look, how, how did we get here? Things get so weird so fast with you. And that's one reason why you married me. Oh, I can't deny that. Hey, speaking of weird. Speaking of jam. We are not talking about jam anymore. Nope. We're going to be talking about 1971's The Brotherhood of Satan, starring the late, great Struther Martin. The poster for this one claimed it was a story of contemporary family witchcraft in California. Yeah, I don't know about that. There's some weird shit going on in this movie, though. And we'll talk about that and more after this first break. News is coming. You may know him as John Cross from the podcast from the After Movie Diner, or you may not know him at all. But now you can know him as Miscellaneous Plumbing Fixtures with the release of his new album, Catch Up or Don't See If I Care, available now on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever music is found. A full 16 new folk blues and rock tracks from this bearded singer-songwriter. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and at AfterMovieDiner.com. For links to the album and to learn more, go to miskplumbingfixtures.blogspot.com or miskplumbingfixtures.bandcamp.com. Are you tired of the same old stuff Hollywood puts out week after week? You know, all those less than appealing remakes? Those films with over-the-top CG and no storyline? Well, we don't have to take it anymore thanks to the 2015 B-Movie Celebration. Polyscope Media presents the 9th Annual B-Movie Celebration. In 2015, we're going to go back in time, back to 1985 to be exact. The 9th Annual B-Movie Celebration will feature the following films from this time period. Fright Night. Malibu Express. The Last Dragon. Invasion USA. Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Return of the Living Dead. Trencers. Reanimator. Morons from Space. The Stuff. Life Force. Defcon 4. Damnation Alley. 
Better Off Dead, Godzilla, 1985. Along with those 80s classics, we're going to showcase The Blob from 1958 and Death Race 2000 from 1975. So pack those bags, recharge that flux capacitor, and join us for the 9th Annual B-Movie Celebration on August 14th, 15th, and 16th, 2015 at the Brown County Playhouse in Nashville, Indiana. For updated information on this event, bookmark the bmoviecelebration.com website using your favorite browser, and we promise to have you home back in time. Titles mentioned in this promo are subject to change without notice. The Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts podcast is an official sponsor of the 9th Annual B-Movie Celebration. My name is Mike. You may know me from the Evil Episodes podcast, where we talk about all that's good and bad on horror television. But I watch a lot of movies, too, and you can hear me and my panel of guests talk about these on the Not So Evil Episodes sidecast. My name is Doug. You may know me from the No Budget Nightmares podcast. Every month, we choose a theme that allows us to talk about some movies that don't always get the love or receiving hatred they deserve. My name is Iris. You may know me from the Badasses, Boobs, and Body Counts podcast. Whether we're defending a movie we love or ripping apart a movie we hate, you can always expect some spirited and passionate discussion about movies on the Not So Evil episode podcast. My name is X. You may know me from the Kiss the Goat podcast. Join us once a month for unpredictable, not safe for work discussion about some of the best and worst movies ever made. There's not often a fight, but sometimes there is. That's the Not So Evil episode sidecast, turning movies inside out for your listening pleasure. You can find us on the Horror Philly Network, the Legion Network, iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever fine podcasts are sold. The year is one, and the battle between Satan and his arch nemesis, the Judeo-Christian God, is off to an amazing start. These two deities are already going toe-to-toe for dominance over this planet and those who inhabit it. Let's get a ringside report with all the action on this episode's edition of Satan in the News. John Gallick of New Britain, Connecticut. Whoa, 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 hold on. There's there's a town in New England called New Britain? Uh, yep. That's just narcissism. Right, continue. Jan Gallick of New Britain, Connecticut, said he was possessed by the devil and high on cocaine and Percocets when he killed and dismembered his 90-year-old father, stabbing him 76 times. The prosecution stated that he used a sword, a knife, a meat cleaver, and a potato masher during the fatal attack. Gallick claimed that he loved his parents, but he turned into a hermit while living in the basement. Sounds like he fucking turned into Gollum. Um, Gallick joined Satan.com and became possessed by the devil. This is according to NBCConnecticut.com. Now, let's examine that claim, shall we? Is this your idea of investigative reporting? Look, this is the kind of hard-hitting, truth-gathering journalism that you can expect from us here at Kiss the Goat. I took journalism in high school, you know. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you failed it. Let's check out Satan.com. 
It is literally nothing but a page of links. There is no membership area. You can't join it. In fact, this page, the Satan.com, links you to Christian dating for free, Christian self-publishing, and an online Christian seminary. <laughs> oh, and this is awesome. When you click on the witchcraft link, the second result is McDonald's. Are you serious? Very much so. I will screenshot it. Well, that explains why their food doesn't decompose. Black magics, yo. <laughs> Mr. Golick was sentenced to 60 years in prison last week and stated in court that he has turned over a new leaf and now wants to become a Catholic priest because that, of course, is the most logical course of action. What the fuck? What the fuck indeed, my husband. And if you think that's an interesting theological choice, wait until you get a load of this. A town in Alabama, because of course it's fucking Alabama, is officially owned by God. It doesn't work out so well for Kim Basinger, as I recall. God probably has better lawyers than she did. Winfield, Alabama, Mayor Randy Price wrote, sponsored, and spearheaded a resolution which was passed by the city council, and it goes a little like this. Whereas we acknowledge God as the owner of the city of Winfield and that it is a city under God, we acknowledge that at all times he is in control. So, why do they still have a city council? A mayor? A police department? Whereas we acknowledge that through his leadership, the mayor and the city council will seek his knowledge to be good stewards of the city. Oh, so they're emissaries of the living God on earth. That's worked out well in the past, hasn't it? Whereas we acknowledge that through prayer, with his guidance and presence, that we will be able to trust that no problem will be too large or too small to overcome. <laughs> we also have a magic eight ball, a pack of tarot cards, and an old Susan B. Anthony dollar coin that we can flip in case we get really stuck. <laughs> no job is too big, no fee is too big. Um, <laughs> where was I? Whereas we acknowledge that the city of Winfield is where it is today because of God's grace and mercy. You're still in Alabama, guys. The point is moot. Whereas we acknowledge that at all times and in all circumstances, his will shall be done. Okay. How can any mortal human being know the will of God? <laughs> Seriously. The will of God is what we say it is. You get cancer, it's the will of God. Your cancer is cured, it's the will of God. You die from the disease, it's the fucking will of God. Does this not perplex anyone else? Whereas we acknowledge that to God be the glory. Amen and amen, ex nomine patri, go and send some more. Now, I'm not a fool. I understand that this is a largely symbolic act, but this is the act of people whose God claims to have created the earth. Their holy book says, and I'm quoting, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So this proclamation makes it seem like their God is a little absent-minded. Hey God, remember you own the whole planet, including this little town. Remember us? Hello? Now, I'm not saying that their God is insulted, but I am saying, what, what am I saying? <laughs> I think you're saying that everybody wants attention, whether it be from other people or 
are the gods of their forefathers. I, for one, welcome Winfield's new omniscient overlord, and we here at Kiss the Goat wish them the best of luck. We'll be keeping an eye on your little town just to see. That's it for Satan. And God. In the news. We'll be back faster than you can read Soren Kierkegaard's The Concept of Anxiety. Banana is a promo. Take one. Hey, guys. It's Wazell and Z here. Yeah, we're just uh, kicking back in the laser lounge right now, taking a break from uh, what we normally do to tell you all about our show, Banana Laser. Uh, we're just here for sick fucks like ourselves that love horror movie and just, yeah. Fuck! The Banana Laser Podcast. It's uh, everything. <laughs> 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 oh, why? And, um, you know, it's for sick fucks like ourselves. <laughs> so if you like salty commentary <laughs> and skewed views, foul mouth skewed views, and look, uh, we're terrible at this. I'm fucked up too. We I, I, are I, terrible. <laughs> oh my. God. All, right, All right, forget it. Fuck it. Uh, you can find Banana Laser at horophilia.com. Check us out on Facebook. Join our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter, Banana Laser Show. Look us up on YouTube, Banana Lasers, everywhere, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Look us up so you can join us. Movies need only three things. Badasses. You tell me who you want done, and I'll do the hell out of it. A chick with drive who don't take no jive. Boobs. Do you know that the female breast, known to be the source of life since Eve, can be deadly weapons? And body counts. Body count. The mathematics of murder. The BBNBC podcast discusses lesser-known action, exploitation, and horror cult cinema. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher Smart Radio, and SoundCloud by searching for BBNBC Podcast. You can also listen to each episode directly on the show's website at badassesboobsandbodycounts.com. Got the goddamn message? Let's go to work. It's 8 o'clock. Is it time to get the show on the screen or what? Do you enjoy watching films with friends? Do you like to consume vats of alcohol? It's the 40s and some bitches, babe. Yeah! Me? I like beer. If you like all that and none of those artsy-fartsy films... Does this mean we don't get to go to the Fellini Festival? Fuck the Fellini Festival! Then watch and listen to Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. Every Wednesday, myself and a rotating panel of the filthiest podcasters I can muster up Give you our comments, observations, and sometimes we might actually talk about the film as we class up some of your favorite films the only way we know how, as raunchy as we can. <laughs> What's this movie, PG? Oh, yeah. This podcast sure is fucking... Not only do you get the audio, but the video that goes with it. Just listen to the shit that comes out of these filthy pirates. <laughs> you don't need to get an erection when your cock's full of rigor mortis. <laughs> fucking curb stomp a baby for a bacon <laughs> I think the moral of the story is don't let Corky run Cerebro. Unforgivable. If you could stand all that, come and get your fill and your fix of Two Drink Minimum Commentaries. All the cool kids are doing it. Two Drink Minimum Commentaries is a proud member of the Legion Podcast Network.
there are things in heaven and on earth beyond the comprehension of man. Call them what you will. The occult. Witchcraft. Satan! Behold thy supplicants! Devil worship. Rise and come in, child. Enter for yet another lifetime in the Brotherhood of Satan. People slaughtered in a little over 72 hours. Six families wiped out. All those kids missing. A story of contemporary family witchcraft in California. Witches. Black artisans, celebrants of the Black Mass. Each missing child was in a specific age group from six to nine. blood sacrifice, the unholy ritual. It's all here, as a coven of witches holds a California town in the grip of terror. Satan, help us! We have returned, and that was the trailer for this episode's feature, the batshit crazy movie from 1971, The Brotherhood of Satan. This movie seems to have been the brainchild of B-movie actor L.Q. Jones. Now, he's one of those guys you've seen a million times, usually is a police officer of some kind, probably never knew his name. But he produces this movie, he acts in it, I'm pretty sure this was a pet project for him. Now, it starts interestingly enough. There's a toy tank. I think it grows into a life-size tank, and then it shrinks back down into a toy-size tank. And then maybe it gets big again. I don't know. Regardless, the movie begins <laughs> with a car being crushed by a tank with its occupants still inside. You can see a hand holding a rosary dripping blood hanging out of the open door of the crushed car. I saw an old bag of ruffles. I noticed death and destruction. You noticed potato chips. I notice product placement, for I am an astute social critic. <laughs> okay, okay. So, screaming, breaking glass, military equipment, everybody dead except for one kid who picks up his toy tank and runs off to join another group of children who are waiting for him up by the road. Then we get an abrupt cut to kind of sort of introduce our main characters. First of all, there's KT. And she's a cute little blonde girl, maybe six years old, and it's her birthday. 
her father's throwing her a party. His name is Ben, and he's the kind of guy who likes brightly colored polo shirts made from really thin fabric and not wearing a t-shirt under it. <laughs> His girlfriend Nikki is there, too. Now, she's the kind of girl who wears those kind of dresses that when the wind blows directly towards her, you can see the outline of her pubic hair. Like Karen Allen in that one scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark on the boat. Definite outline of her map of Tasmania. I didn't even notice that. Well, see, you notice religious iconography. I notice Bush. <laughs> well, after the party, our happy little family bundles into the car and takes off for a little Kate's grandma's house. Over the river and through the woods, they pull over when they see something on the side of the road, and it's the crushed car from the beginning of the film. The decision, then, is made to go to the next town and alert the authorities. It's interesting to note that while they're in the car driving, which is a good five to seven minute long sequence, there's no dialogue. They are just driving, and the radio fades in and out... And the radio station they're listening to, it sounds like the Muzak from an Olive Garden restaurant. Accordions and grape stomping and jaunty tempos. And it rains, they turn the wipers on. It stops raining, they turn the wipers off. And they don't say a word to each other the whole fucking time. It's so weird. It's like being in the station wagon with a family full of mannequins. When they drive into town, they find the sheriff's office. Ben knocks on the door, and someone looks through the blinds through for a moment, but then he goes away. That's not normal peace officer behavior. Then a police car pulls up behind them. The sheriff jumps out of his car and pulls a fucking gun on Ben, throws him up against the car, and there's really no reason for any of this. So the kid is crying, and his girlfriend is yelling. Now there's normal police behavior. And the cop asks all kind of weird questions, like how they got into town. So this shouldn't be a difficult question, because there's one fucking road that runs right through the middle of town. It's not a labyrinth. They didn't have to fight the Minotaur. (laughs) Suddenly, the rest of the town shows up, and they are freaked out. Half of them are yelling about how, it's over, it's over, yay. And the other half are shouting, asking how they got into town. And these people are way too excited about things that make no fucking sense. So the sheriff turns his attention towards the crowd, and then shit gets way out of control. Yeah, and in the middle of all this, Ben is shouting and finally gets to tell his story. You know, hey, there's a crushed car about a mile outside of town. It's bloody. There's twisted metal and broken glass. And ruffles. Ruffles are delicious. (laughs) But the crowd wants blood. Or ruffles. So the happy family gets back into their car and drive like hell onto grandma's house. Everything seems fine for a minute. They're having another eerily quiet ride in the car, except for Nikki, who keeps saying, that town, those people. She (laughs) says it so much, you can't tell if she's afraid or if she considers them brave pioneers and wants to narrate an educational film strip about them. And then suddenly, a little girl appears in the road right in front of their car. So Ben swerves to avoid her and runs the car directly into a telephone pole. Good driving, Ben. Right? So now the happy family has to walk all the way back into town that they had just left. And another jarring shift of direction and tone, we see two of the children in town playing outside in their yard in front of their house. These kids are both very shrill and annoying, and you kind of hope something bad happens to them (laughs) just so they'll stop making those noises. 
Right. And for a moment, it seems like our hopes will come to pass because they're snatched up by a mysterious, blurry figure. But it's their dad. Sorry, folks. It's just their dad. False alarm. Damn it. (laughs) He sends the kids to wash up for dinner while he talks to his wife. He tells her that it was her sister and her family inside that smashed up car outside of town. Now, she seems unaffected by this, but she's really just fantastic at internalizing. So the kids come to the table and they all sit down and eat as if nothing happened. Say grace and dig in. Sorry about Aunt Edith. Then, out of nowhere, and with no warning or explanation whatsoever, we see a charming elderly couple dressed to the nines, and they're walking up to the door of a house. It's, the house is not in the best of shape, and you have to wonder what they're doing. The door opens, and this ominous voice says, Come in, children. <laughs> so the couple walks in, and the first thing they do is grab onto some giant ceremonial candles and swear allegiance to Satan. Then they go further into the house, and there's a party going on. Those are great candles, too. They're like three and a half feet long. Dude. (laughs) Because there ain't no party like a Dark Lord party, because a Dark Lord party don't stop. (laughs) Now, there are a bunch of elderlies in there hanging out, talking about old times, and they're being served by people wearing cloaks and hoods. Drinks are presented in silver chalices, and we get a peek through a door. And you know when you're in a museum and they have those, like, inset sections in the wall that are set back so you can, like, set a statue in them? Yeah, I, I don't know what they're called, but I, I know that of which you speak. They're like, some, like a recess or something. Anyway, something they like have, that. yeah, they have those in the other room, except instead of a statue, it's the little girl, a live, really real human little girl. Maybe they're collectors. Not my kind of auction. Hold on, Cootie. I understand we have a new development back at the house of the woman whose sister was in the car that was destroyed by a toy tank in what may or may not have been a terrible Vietnam allegory. Let's find out what's going on. The children are asleep. The little girl is sleeping with one of the ugliest fucking dolls I have ever seen. It's got this weird, long face... Its eyes are all sloping off to the corners, and it kind of looks like somebody drew a human hound dog face on a smashed, stale Twinkie with blonde hair. So the girl wakes up because her ugly-ass doll has to go to the bathroom. She yells at it for not going before they went to bed. So she gets up out of bed, takes the doll, puts it in the bathroom, shuts the door, and sits in the hallway waiting for it to finish. Not creepy behavior at all. No, no. Perfectly normal. Yeah, just fine. While she's asleep in the hallway by the door, the doll exits the bathroom by itself. And it walks downstairs, and the parents are sitting in the living room, and the guy is sitting on the couch reading aloud from a book that it sounds like the Bible if it had been written by Glenn Danzig. <laughs> so live. That when my summons comes to join the innumerable caravan which moves to that mysterious realm where each shall take his chamber in the silent halls of death. Thou, go not like the quarry slave at night, scourged to his dungeon, but sustained and soothed by an unfaltering trust 
approach thy grave like one who wraps the drapery of his couch about him. But the woman sees the doll first, and she is so terrified, she can't even scream. So she's flailing her hands and making fists, and her eyes roll back in her head, and she shakes back and forth. Like the first time you realized your electric toothbrush was good for something besides dental hygiene, except that a good vibrator doesn't kill you, and this poor woman cacks right there. And the guy looks up, and he sees the doll, and he begins having a grand mall seizure. His head shakes so fast, it looks like he has help, like someone's grabbing his hair from behind and just moving his head around. And the fucking doll's head shakes, too, like they had somebody on set just to pick the doll up and rattle it at the lens. It's hilarious. It's weird, but it's really funny. And then the guy spits out something that's supposed to look like blood, but doesn't. I mean, even Dario Argento would look at the color and the consistency and go, what the fuck is that? But he'd say it in Italian, which is a lot more fancy. (laughs) So the adults are dead now. The children both wake up and go downstairs where they are met by three other kids from town. And they all file in together and walk off through the night into the fog. And for some reason, this makes the doll cry. Who the fuck bought this doll? (laughs) Now, that, okay, now there, are, there are four people who are trying to solve the mystery of the town. Okay, There's the sheriff, whom we've met. There's the priest, who is one of these academic types who actually reads books on theology and does what a priest is supposed to do instead of keeping a stash of child porn in his rectory. Ba-dum-bum. There's another cop named Toby, and he's played by Alvy Moore, who co-wrote the movie and also helped produce it. And then there's old Doc Duncan, played by Struther Martin. Now, the Doc is trying to be the voice of reason for everyone. He's encouraging them to get enough rest, to think about things logically, and to use the scientific method to understand what's happening. The children don't seem to care what's happening, even though they are obviously a huge part of it. They walk through the fog, and they end up at the front door of the same place where the old folks are having their fucking social mixer. The door opens, and the same voice says, Come in, children. (laughs) Only this time, we get to see that it is Doc Duncan. He's a satanic high priest, and he's got a plan of some kind which appears to involve the whole town. And it's working. Our happy family ditches their stupid crashed car and has walked back into town. So, of course, they're trying to get some help, and they're afraid of the cops because, fuck, wouldn't you be after their actions that morning? (laughs) Welcome to town. Assume the position. Uh, the first house that the happy family goes to is the house where the evil doll lives and where the people have just shaken themselves to death. So they discover the bodies. Nikki starts screaming, and now the cops come. Of course they do. They drag the bodies out to the local ice house. You know, we had an ice house in the town I grew up in. It was awesome. You know, you get a hot day, a little change, and they kept soft drinks just right there in the freezer. Swear to God, coldest thing I've ever tasted. Wonderful. I'm talking about bodies, and you're reminiscing about soft drinks? It's glass bottles, too, man. You could take them back for a deposit. (laughs) Anyway, there are a lot of bodies in this ice house, and no glass-bottled soft drinks either. Not even any kegs of beer. This is really very sad. It's a pretty grotesque scene, actually. There are even pieces of people in plastic bags hanging from the ceiling. Just chilling. That's evidence. 
let's get back to the party where someone has come in without being invited i repeat someone has crashed the party her name is dame alice and she is trying way too hard to fit in everybody knows she's not supposed to be there and they're if they're not actively giving her the cold shoulder they're being really condescending towards her now all of this could be dealt with until the high priest dr duncan shows up he knows all about Alice, yes he does, and how dare she come before Satan begging for favors when she at one time had borne the son of Satan himself. <laughs> This is an amazing development, X. Absolutely amazing. Can you tell us what's going on now? Well, Cootie, it seems that Dame Alice is due to be whipped until she cries and moans for herself. Alice apparently took Satan's child and had him baptized into the Christian faith. Think you that he who rules this earth should fail to feel this blow? You were one of the chosen few, Alice, to taste the fruits of everlasting life and you would permit our child to be baptized and dedicated to that belief that I despise so much. My baby! My baby! Not your baby, our baby, Satan's baby! A stunning reversal by Alice. It's a bold move, Cootie. Let's see how it works out for her. Well, Doc Duncan asks old Scratch himself what he thinks of Alice coming back into the unholy circle. Satan shows Alice a vision of herself, and for a second, she thinks she's in the clear. But then, a glowing green skull appears, superimposed over her face. That's a bad sign, and the other people at the party knock Alice down, and it's, it's difficult to see. Nope, they're tearing her to shreds with their bare hands, X. It's a scene of total dismemberment and carnage. You don't expect that kind of behavior from the pillars of our community, Cootie. Oh, but it's good to see a group of senior citizens feeling so spry and energetic. Good point. And now let's get back to the police station where nothing much is happening at all. You're right, X. Katie and Nikki are trying to get some rest at the police station, lying down on uncomfortable cots. KT tells Toby, the sort of dumb cop, that it's her birthday. So he goes into his office and finds a sock monkey and gives it to her. No reason to have a sock monkey there. Unless it's the sexual abuse sock monkey. Can you show me on the monkey where he touched you? Can you spank the monkey? Touch, touch my monkey. <laughs> well, no one knows that the beloved town there is Satan's right-hand man. Even the priest is befuddled. And I feel kind of bad for that priest, but we'll get into that in a second. So, just to recap, 23 people dead in three days. The children of the dead people are missing. Some unseen force is keeping people trapped in the town, except for the happy family, these three people who just drove in like no big deal. That night, Nikki has a dream. She dreams of children on a playground, some blood on windows. Rain on the scarecrow, blood on the plow. Of her chasing KT down a long road. A long and winding road. Of looking at all the chilled corpses and decide which one she likes best. Necro. The corpses rise up and confront her, and then KT is walking into the sun. And all the time there's moaning and crying. And KT lies down in the ice house like a corpse. But it's not KT, it's Ben, her gentleman lover. There is no love inside the ice house. Well, he's looked better. And if this is going to be such a sexual dream, why doesn't she take his pants off? Why doesn't 
she take her pants off. This is a dream. Why are there pants? Then she finds herself on ice. She's a corpse. A dead one. And she wakes herself up screaming. Well then, that was fun, wasn't it? The next morning, the sheriff gives our happy family the keys to a car. It's a gamble, but he figures if they got in, maybe they can get out. Never mind that they tried this the day before and failed miserably. <laughs> so, of course, about a mile out of town, they suffer a blown tire. It's obvious at this point that they are never going to leave this shitty little town. It's also obvious that they should have joined AAA when they had the chance. Ben tells Vicky he's going to check for a spare and maybe fix the tire. But when Ben starts to get out, he realizes the back door is open and Katie is missing. Parenting! Driving! <laughs> job! Medals! Now, Katie has already been squired off to Doc Duncan's House of Devilry, where they do their best to make her feel welcome. I guess she ran her mouth enough about it being her birthday. The servants who wear the cloaks and hoods actually throw her a birthday party. Now, the other children, the ones the townspeople believe have gone missing, are there, too. They're dancing and playing, and the servant brings in a seriously awesome birthday cake covered in black icing. So fucking metal. However, the kids don't notice the pictures on all, which are all depictions of children dying in terrible ways. Hanging, disembowelment, being eaten, drawn and quartered, being forced to watch C-SPAN. It's gruesome. The priest has decided back in town that whatever is going on is the devil's fault. And he says it's a coven. Not a coven. It is a coven. Coven. <laughs> he says the coven let the happy family in because their daughter was the right age for their rituals. Now, I know what it's like to have to wait for someone's daughter to be the right age, so I can identify with this. A coven typically has 13 people. Well, 12 children are missing. One kid is left to be snatched. Eh, snatched. The doctor, who's still playing both sides, says that's a crazy thought. But, of course, the priest suggests a religious solution. But whatever, Doc Duncan plays along with the other adults. And sure as shit sinks, a little boy goes missing that night. Now, his name is Joey, and he is between six and nine years old. His dad's out looking for him when all of a sudden a knight on a horse rides by and chops off his head with a giant sword. So the weird thing is we've seen this night before in miniature. Inside Joey's house is a lamp that has the knight and horse as a decoration. So Satan is showing a great deal of power over toys and home furnishings in this movie. Seems like a weird way to display your power to me. Hey, back to the devil house. Some old people in red cloaks are following Dr. Crazy to the ritual place. There's about to be a huge ceremony, and the doctor is back in preacher mode. And it is fascinating, yeah. because he really is a charismatic Satanist. You think I'm wrong? He starts speaking in tongues. Well, it's Latin, but there's no proof he knew Latin before. Um, you have to learn Latin when you become a doctor. There are lots of Latin terms, you know. Yeah, but the doctor's saying funny shit like Adonai Satanic Goose. Benedictus Satanicus. Benedictus Satanicus. Actually, I think that's Adonai Satanicus, which loosely translates to Satan is my father. Well, I really wanted a satanic goose. I'm sorry. But Dr. Devil really is having church. Now, 
I know Pentecostal missionaries who would kill an unbaptized Catholic to have an altar call like this guy is having. In this new life, nothing shall come between us. To thee will I cling, though all the powers of heaven shall rage about me. Thou art my God. Though false gods tempt and lure me. Thou art my God. Though lean times come and sorrow sits round about me. Thou art my God. Though worldly flesh waver and spirits weaken. Thou art my God. Fool thou art and fool I call thee. If in the master's presence you should foul the air with lies and words that come only from the mouth, Never. know ye this, spawn of this earth, that he has heard and he shall judge. Yes. Tremble in his awesome presence. For even now he sees your innermost thoughts and lays bare your very soul. Oh. If you are found wanting, Phyllis, he shall judge you to damnation. Oh, I adore thee. My master and my God, I'm yours. I want no other. So what's the deal? What is going on in this friggin' movie? We finally are given the clues to figure it out. The life force of these old people is being transferred into the bodies of the missing children so that they may live for another lifetime. That is a badass trick. Does that shit work? I mean, <laughs> would I get to keep what I know now but still be young and get a shiny new credit record? Because I am absolutely down for that shit. Let's do this. <laughs> Now, of course, you have to kill the old people first, and the hooded servants go on a stabby rampage, killing all the oldsters and the doctor. Now, the people look pretty upset about that. I don't think Dr. Devil made it clear that that was part of the deal. That transference shit works, though, and soon there are a lot of old people bodies lying around while their souls have taken over the bodies of 70s kids with sallow eyes and bad hair. The remaining adults in town find all the children together, playing in a room in an abandoned building. It is no longer a sumptuous palace of deviltry, it's just a nasty-ass room. And you can still see the remains of the black birthday cake on a table, and it's all dried up and disgusting. And the adults stare at the children like they don't know what to do, and the children stare back like they don't know what to do, and the camera zooms in on a cold, dead fireplace until all you can see is black, and then a bright purple graphic pops up on screen that says, Come in, children. Why would you want the children to go into a fireplace? I don't know, Cootie. I just don't know. Right. We'll be back with some expert analysis of this movie as we play three questions right after this break. 72 movies that shocked a nation and made an infamous list the video nasties. Hi, I'm Duncan McLeish and you can join me and my co-host Andy Blockley hello, hello. as we chat about the 72 films, reviewing them all from the video nasty list live on our podcast. Tell them about it, Andy. Okay, 1982, 20,000 films were seized in London alone because they were too nasty to be watched. Come and find out why. That's right. The show's called Doing the Nasty Podcast. You can find it exclusively on the Horror Philia Network of Podcasts. Come and check us out. I'm Steven Seagal. That's right, Steven Seagal. And for the past 40 years, in between barbecue and oxen and roasting boar for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid commentaries. 
Isn't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Dr. Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick-Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a back. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppies. But usually you can find us both watching 80s, 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Dr. Action Kickass. You can find us on our main page, which is drActionKickass.blogspot.com. You can also find us on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic, and where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. Hey, where's that baby mama at? I gotta tell you somebody. Howdy, folks. Got blood, violence, freaks and nature. You come to the right place. My name is Gary, and I'm your guide to Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better, and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet! Alright, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. You're slapped. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. So join the insanity and please vent your frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Sin Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Welcome back to Kiss the Goat. We're talking about 1971's The Brotherhood of Satan. And it's time to play everyone's favorite party game, Three Questions. Stop! Who would cross the bridge of death must answer me these questions three. Yeah, the other side, you see. Question number one. Is the Brotherhood of Satan a devil movie? No. <laughs> no, it's not. It's uh, okay. Tell me. It's not even a good witchcraft movie. And here's the thing. And I, and here's why I say this. The tagline for the poster really sets you up, because you know it says that it is a contemporary tale of family witchcraft in California. Well, there's witchcraft going on, but it's all bullshit witchcraft. All the families have been broken up. You know, the children are missing. Um, I'm pretty sure they were in California, so that part's okay. It's it's a horror movie that uses Satanism kind of as a trapping, but there's not really any research that's been done with this. They don't... These people couldn't hold a fucking black mask to save their lives. But, again, Struther Martin as the high priest. Buddy, when he goes off, it's just you know, monologuing for the devil. It's amazing. <laughs> But no, not a devil movie. It's a horror movie that has a weird version of Satanism in it. Hmm. That never happens. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> we, we never sit through that. 
Satan is blood. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's a devil movie. I mean, we don't actually see the devil, but there's plenty of Satanists running around, you know, with their little evil machinations and scheming and lots of beautiful red robes, which, you know, I love. And oh, the robes are nice. Yeah. They yeah. Are. yeah. But you let me know when, when you meet a Satanist who can set up an invisible dome around an entire town. Let well, me, you know. Let me know when that happens. These guys were special. <laughs> they sure were. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so question number two. On a scale of one to six, how many horns high do you give this movie? Mm. I don't hate it. But I don't really know that I liked it either. So, like... One, maybe. Wow. Yeah, I'm kind of indifferent to this movie, I guess. So one maybe is kind of low for my indifference, but they got the one for the red robes. I think that's pretty much it. Okay, I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah. <clears throat> I give it. I give it. A, I give it two horn. Two horns high just for being, you know, a a, a decent little '70s B movie. But mm-hmm. it gets a full horn high for Strother Martin running around and chewing the scenery. He's fucking great in this movie. <laughs> All right. Well, finally, question number three. Why should our listeners watch this movie? Or should they? Oh, fuck it, yeah. I mean, you know, why not? It's confusing to an extent, and it's really episodic. And it takes a long time for the strands of the story to come together so that you can figure out what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of it is just, it's just stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> so if, but if you don't mind that, if you don't mind just this movie's stupid and there are shots that are unintentionally hilarious, the fucking doll in the camera lens, the yeah. close up of it shaking funniest fucking thing I've seen in months. <laughs> so it, just for that I'd be like yeah fuck it give it a shot uh, meh I say skip it <laughs> wow. yeah seriously I mean there are others that are so much more worth your time that's well yeah that's even I can't deny that they are more <laughs> that are worth your time but this one's this one has some amusing parts to it so if you're not looking for anything too serious <laughs> you're watching a devil movie you're obviously not looking for anything too serious um <laughs> but yeah i would say give it a shot so that's cool we disagree yay well when in rome um it's safe to say that there are some lapses of reason in the brotherhood mm-hmm. of satan although some would say me that that's one of the things that makes this movie endearing hey how would you like your own lapses of reason golly i would let us help you make your own poor decisions. It's time for Drinking with the Devil, where your love of movies meets your disdain for your own liver. Yes. So drink every time someone yells at the doctor. Drink whatever Struther Martin refers to Satan as dear one. <laughs> Which happens a lot. <laughs> drink whenever Nikki panics. Drink. Every time something terrible happens to a vehicle. 
And finally, the Grandmaster Challenge. Drink every time an adult acts irrational. Oh, man. You'll be on your ass faster than you can fall. (sighs) (laughs) Well, please be advised that we do not condone underage drinking or alcohol abuse, but they've They've always always worked worked for for us. us. Do we have any underage listeners? That seems weird. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know. I mean, you would have listened to this show when you were a kid. That's true. I would have. This is is educational right here. (laughs) Well, you know what what else is educational? Questions and answers. Right now, people are going to ask questions, and we're going to answer them. It's time for Ask the Goat. I'll send you a love letter. Straight from my heart, fucker. You know what a love letter is? It's a bullet from a fucking gun, fucker. You receive a love letter from me, you're fucked forever. We welcome all questions here at Ask the Goat. No subject is off limits, but you might not like the answers we give. So drop us a line at our Facebook group page, which is facebook.com slash groups slash kiss the goat, or send us a message to our evil email address, which is thegoatofmadness at gmail.com. Do it. Do what? You know. Oh, yeah. Okay. Rummage, rummage, rummage. That's right. The rummaging. Cootie is rummaging about in our malevolent mailbag for our first letter of the evening, and it's from... Duncan! Duncan! Duncan McLeish has started a new podcast with Andy Blockley right here on Horrorphilia called Doing the Nasty. Uh, (laughs) Nasty. It's all about the video Nasty Scare in the UK during the 80s, and you need to listen to it. I'm telling you. Good shit. So Duncan says... Top three Vincent Price performances. And this is a tough one, but I'm not a nice person. That's not true. He's a very nice person. He turned me into a newt. Motherfucker. (laughs) All right, Vincent Price. You're the Vincent Price fan around here. Well, not like you're not. Well, exactly. But, I mean, you more so than I. Well, I think my favorite, and it's probably i mean the movie in and of itself is probably like in my top 10 maybe even close to my top five movies ever is the last man on earth yes fantastic if you haven't seen it stop what you're doing right now stop listening to this podcast go seek out that movie and watch it well come back when you're done yeah Okay, so there's one. So there's one. Wow, that is a tough one, Duncan. You're not a nice person. <laughs> What's the one where he plays the actor that all these murders are happening where somebody's like mimicking movies he's been in and he's all surly and pissy through the whole thing? I believe you're talking are you talking about movies or plays? Oh, it was plays, wasn't it? You're talking about Theater of Blood, which is one of oh. my top three. That one's fantastic. Love it. Mm-hmm. I really love House on Haunted Hill, but I don't necessarily think it's because of Vincent Price's performance. Although, I mean, he's amazing in anything. But I, All I know is that if we ever have a castle, I totally want an acid pit in the basement. Fuck yeah. Are you kidding me? That's <laughs> mandatory. It is, right? That's going to be hard for their realtors to work with. <laughs> <clears throat> And the old blind woman that floats around? Shit. Fuck that. 
All right, so you're saying Last Man on Earth, Theater of Blood, and House on Haunted Hill? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Theater of Blood for me also. That's probably my favorite because it's brilliant all the way around. The whole revenge aspect of it's a lot of fun. I also think he's really creepy and just smarmy and a horrible human being in Witchfinder General. Oh, uh, dude, that movie's painful. Yeah, it is. That movie's fantastic. So Witchfinder General's in my top three, and mm-hmm. I would round that out um, with The Abominable Dr. Fibes. Have I even seen that? The Abominable Dr. Fibes. Where, he tra- where he's trying to bring his wife back from the dead. Maybe that's Dr. Fibes Rises Again. Anyway, we, we we need to watch we need to we need to watch more Vincent Price, obviously. Okay, cool. <laughs> Put that on the list. It's on the list. All right. All right. Our next question comes from our purveyor of fine satanic art, Mr. Mike Stewart, who has a two-part question: favorite horror movie of the '80s. Also, do you believe in ghosts? And if so, have you experienced any? <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> Jesus, Mike. <laughs> Those questions aren't even related. <laughs> That's not even the point. <laughs> uh. So, favorite horror movie of the 80s? Fuck, dude. Uh. Um, you know, this answer changes like every two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so tonight, my answer would be Pieces. Good one. Is that the pieces uh, or reanimator? I couldn't decide, but I went with pieces because it's sillier. Yeah, see, I was going to say reanimator. Because it's, yeah, well. That's a fair cop. But yeah, reanimator is just, if you want to talk about batshit crazy, yeah. it's fantastic. <clears throat> um, okay, the, the, the ghost thing. I am going to be coy about this and say, yes, I believe in ghosts, and yes, I have experienced them, but I am not willing, excuse me, to give my story on this podcast, but I will be giving it to another one in the very near future. So stay tuned, and when I drop that story, I'll let you know where to find it. Okay, awesome. Well, um, for me, yes. The, I mean, the short answer is yes. I believe in ghosts, which it just sounds funny to me to say I believe in ghosts because it's always kind of been a, a given in, in my life. You know, I grew up in the South, and most people around here know that spooks and haints and spirits are just kind of a fact of life. So, um, yeah, I've had experiences off and on over the years too. Yeah. So. But, yeah, damn, that's like three hours worth of answers right there if we were to go into it. It really is, man. <laughs> it's like, hey, what, what, what's your favorite food? And can you explain the concept of love to me in a way that I can understand and appreciate? Fuck, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right, so next question, and this is a good one, is from Tony Kimball. Tony wants to know, which is your favorite of the deadly sins? Uh, does Sin Fallon count? You killed anybody? I don't know. I haven't asked. <laughs> she <laughs> might have. Fuck. <laughs> well, let's just let's just stick with the accepted list of seven, shall we? All right. Is it bad that I remember the seven deadly sins by how John Doe killed people in the Fincher movie? 
<laughs> What's in the box? Exactly. <laughs> no, because I do too. That's okay, exactly okay good. Right Thank you. Um, probably gluttony because that's probably my biggest one too. Yeah, same here. Uh, gluttony, um, which is funny seeing as how I'm on such a strict diet right now. But yeah, gluttony. Um, for everything, I'm a I am a glutton for life. Well, we are hedonists. Life itself and all of its <laughs> pleasures. Uh. Finally, our last question comes from, oh shit, it's Tony Kimball again. And this time he asks, Cootie, how you doing? Oh, Tony. <laughs> Aren't you cute? Oh, <laughs> well, now that that's out of the way, it's time for me to ask you to buy things from us because money is cool and we could use some. Uh, check out our Where the Goat store over at our reasonably official website, which is kissthegoat.weebly.com. Something for everyone who is willing to identify themselves publicly as one of our acolytes. T-shirts, hoodies, flasks, all kinds of goat shit. Well, not literal goat shit. That would be gross. <laughs> but check us out. Throw us some green. Everybody happy. Now that that's out of the way, we'd like to thank, as always, Jason at the Horophilia Network for hosting the show. Maybe if people buy our goat gear, we can help pay for hosting. But regardless, he gave our weird little cast a home, and here you are, listening to it when you should be outside or cultivating healthy relationships with other people. Isn't heresy wonderful? It is not heresy, and I will not recant. Now that that's out of the way, thank you listeners for listening to us jibber-jabber. Maybe (laughs) you've learned something, but more than likely you haven't, and that's okay too. We've never promised you a rose garden. We didn't promise you anything, did we? I don't think we did. This was pretty much an open relationship. Well then, there it is. And there it was. That's going to do it for this episode of Kiss the Goat. Hope you enjoyed yourselves, because we sure did. Until next time, I'm Cootie. My name is X. Hell Satan. The deer is one. The deer is one.
Arise and come in, child.